Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. Thank you for joining us. We're tackling a somewhat difficult subject, but I believe it's incumbent upon Catholics to try as best we can to understand the perspectives of others as well as the reasoning behind their conclusions. And we've been talking about the rapture at any moment, but underlying that, in other words, how they get to that conclusion is based upon a school of thought, a theological school of thought called dispensationalism. And so what we're trying to do is understand dispensationalism, and particularly the question of Israel and the church within the dispensational framework, and in contrast, how a Catholic and, in fact, many, many other Protestant groups would understand the relationship between Israel and the church. So let's just jump right in and try to tackle this subject. There's a traditional dispensationalism, which I'm going to be talking about, and the reason I have to qualify that is that there has arisen in the last few or several decades a school of thought within dispensationalism called progressive dispensationalism, and I'm really not going to address that because there's no really... Uh, set standard within that school. There's all kinds of various perspectives that's still being worked out. Traditional dispensationalism would be something like you would find in the Schofield Reference Bible, especially a Dallas Theological Seminary, except that might be some progressive dispensationalists there. But here's the key in traditional dispensationalism. It's what underlies the rapture theory, and it's this, that there's a radical distinction between Israel and the church. The dispensationalists have a key verse back in the King James Version. They use 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, where the scriptures say, study to show yourself, to prove unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. If you go to Amazon, you'll see about six different versions of uh, Mr. Schofield's book entitled Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. In addition, today I found five additional titles by other authors that incorporate rightly dividing the word of truth. And there's rigid divisions within certain Uh, groups and ages within dispensationalism. Uh, There are dispensations, time periods in the Bible. No one argues that. But when you make an ism out of it, you take it a little too far, and the real division, rightly dividing the word of truth, the real division within the dispensational rapture school is between Israel and the church. And before we get too far— Let me just say that the King James somewhat antiquated way of expressing 2 Timothy 2.15 is not an accurate translation. Um, 
being a good Bible teacher, scholar, or just a, a layperson trying to understand the scriptures, it's not about how you divide it up. Rightly dividing the word of truth, for instance, the English Standard Version, the ESV, as well as the RSV, translates 2 Timothy 2.15, rightly handling the word of truth. And the New American Standard, and this is a very conservative, very literal evangelical translation, says accurately handling the word of truth. And that word that the King James translates dividing is a word only found right here, 2 Timothy 2.15, and two times in the Greek version of Proverbs. Proverbs 3.6, many of you may have memorized that verse, which says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And that word, accurately handling, accurately handling the word of truth, is like making a straight cut. That's the literal meaning of it. Like, if you have a saw, you want to make an accurate straight cut. You're putting things together properly. So, 2 Timothy 2.15 isn't teaching us to divide up the scriptures into separated and isolated sections. And the United Bible Studies Handbook, this is what the very, uh, what shall I say, noble evangelical Bible translators use all around the world trying to bring the Bible into native languages, they say it simply refers, 2 Timothy 2.15, to expounding something rightly or teaching something correctly. But this is not the understanding of the dispensationalists. They're going to divide things and separate things. And the current period of history— Remember, from the point of view of St. Augustine, uh, many Protestants, the Catholic Church, the present age is the present kingdom age, called amillennialism, another term for it. But in dispensationalism, the current period of history is the era of the church. And traditional dispensationalists call this the great parentheses. Now, if you write a sentence, you put something in parentheses, it's almost like you could take the parentheses out and it really wouldn't affect things a whole lot in the sentence. It's just a, a kind of a, a clarification, a, a, an additional thought that's not essential to the structure of the sentence. Well, the church is called, the church age in dispensationalism is the great parentheses, and the church age which they believe is current, is separated and isolated from the future age of Israel. The church and Israel are separated. So God's focus of activity in this age is in the church, but during the church age and their understanding, God's prophetic clock stopped ticking. It's put on pause until the rapture. When the church is gone, again, this is according to the dispensationalist, the clock starts ticking again, and especially during a future millennium. Remember, we believe it's a present millennium, but in any case, 
in a future millennium, the nation Israel becomes, again, the center of God's activities, and all of the Old Testament prophecies and promises regarding Israel come to a very literal fulfillment. Okay, that's dispensationalism, and that's really what gives rise to why the church will be raptured and the you know, the Jews are present on earth in the millennium because these, these people are separated. But here's the question. Are Israel and the church really that distinct? Do they have varying destinies? And you remember the classic passage on this is Romans 11, using the figure of an olive tree, and the native uh, branches in that olive tree are the Jews, Israel, and St. Paul is saying, yes, at the present time, not all are cut off because Paul himself's a Jew. Obviously, Jesus is a Jew. The Messiah's a Jew. But there's a temporary or a age when majority of Jews seem to be cut off, not all of them. And surprising uh, page in redemptive history is that Gentiles are grafted into, you might say, the Jewish olive tree and then at the end of time, God will bring the Jews back together. And here's some scriptures. You might want to keep these on hand because someone who knows dispensationalism is thinking that Israel, that's why the focus on so much of those who are into the rapture at any moment school are so focused on Israel. But listen what St. Paul says in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11. He says, remember that at one time, he's talking about the Old Testament period, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. In other words, there was a separation between the Jews and the Gentiles, and that was a temporary arrangement that God did. Okay, in verse 12, remember that you were separated that time from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. So there was a division in the Old Testament between Jew and Gentile. God was trying to preserve a pure group, so to speak, to transform the degenerate Gentile world. It didn't work, but nonetheless, that's what was going on. And verse 13 says, but now in Christ, he has made us both, what, what us? Jew and Gentile. He has made us both one, and broken down the dividing wall of hostility. In other words, if dispensationalism is essentially dividing things rigidly and repeatedly and profoundly, St. Paul says, no, the dividing wall is now down, and he has created in himself one new man in place of the two. There's no longer in the new covenant the two that there was in the Old Testament, so he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. And St. Paul goes on in, in the epistle to Galatians saying, those who are sons of Abraham, and there's no, no one more Jewish than Abraham, and yet St. Paul says, Abraham was a man of faith, and God promised to Abraham that all nations would become his heritage so that men of faith are children of Abraham, and thus they are part of the saving remnant of God along with the Jews. It's men of faith. So in Galatians 6, verses 15 and 16, 
Paul summarizes this. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. That meant a lot back in the Old Testament, but not now. We don't divide these. It says, but they are a new creation. And it says, peace and mercy by all who walk by this rule upon the Israel of God. And who's the Israel of God? All those who believe, both Jew and Gentile, not a divided Jew and Gentile. But now somebody's going to say, well, well, isn't the church mostly a Gentile thing? Aren't we kind of divided? Yes, there are Jewish converts to the Christian faith, but well, yes, it is for now, but the story of the church isn't over. And that's why I tried to emphasize uh, section 676 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It says the full inclusion of the Jews in the Messiah's salvation in the wake of the full number of Gentiles will enable the people of God to achieve the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ in which God may be all in all. God's plan, that olive tree, isn't complete with simply stage two. Stage one was the Jews only. Stage two, majority of Gentiles, yes. But when that age comes to an end, what does it say? The Jews might become so God's plan of both Jew and Gentile in one organic unity is God's plan. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 330 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.